0: Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the overlap between abuse and addiction. But before we jump into that topic, I'd like to remind you of a couple things. Uh, First, PeaceWorks University. Every week I come on here and remind you that if you are benefiting from the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. There's hundreds of hours of video-based resources, hundreds of pages of written resources to help you combat domestic abuse from a gospel-centered perspective. Also, I'd love to draw your attention to chrismoles.org. That's our website. You can learn about PeaceWorks University there and also find out about PeaceWorks Live. PeaceWorks Live is our conference that's coming up in August, and we would love to see you uh, be part of that conference. We're going to have two tracks this year, including a perpetrator track and a victim track, and now that's for people helpers. So the concept is... um, Perpetrator confrontation and victim care. And you can learn more about Peaceworks Live, our conference, again at chrismoles.org. So today we have a question about addiction that I thought was pretty interesting. And there's two parts. I'm going to start with the, um, the second part that the questioner submitted, which is what correlations have you seen between abuse and addiction? What correlations have you seen between abuse and addiction? I like this question because I have said for years, and I think this is generally true in doing perpetrator work in particular, that when you're confronting an abusive individual, the odds are pretty good that you're going to uncover in your dialogue and discussion a co-occurring issue. Now, sometimes that could be past trauma. Uh, It could be, some other uh, manifestation of a co-occurring issue, but oftentimes, more, more often than you might think, an abusive individual will present with uh, an addiction, whether that be gambling, substances, pornography, um, serial infidelity, they might present as a sexual addiction. There, there tends to be um, within abuse work, working particularly with abusers, a co-occurring issue that has some form of a a lack of self-control, some aspect of um, habitual behavior. And the interesting thing about this is when you encounter this, sometimes it's it's voluntary. Sometimes if you're working with a a perpetrator, they will uh, volunteer or submit this information to you as a cause of their abusive behavior. In other words, I'm so glad that you're helping me. If you can just help me be sober or if you can help me be clean or if you can help me kick this habit, then I know my life would would straighten up. I know that my family would be safe. And I I think in that regard, these co-occurring issues can become weaponized. They can become a tool in the hands of an abusive individual to distract us from the heart of violence and the heart of abuse. And so I throw that warning out there to say sometimes co-occurring issues are, are legitimate and presented, and sometimes they are more subtle and presented as a means of distracting or misdirection. But oftentimes you do find uh, legitimate co-occurring issues within abuse work that include addiction. Now, to the questioner's point, what correlation have I seen? I think the biggest correlation is at the level of the heart because oftentimes, again, the same heart motivation and desires that would lead one to coerce and to control their partner are oftentimes similar desires to control an environment, to control an outcome, or to manage one's own comfort. In fact, when substances are involved, those are discussions that we'll have quite often with abusive individuals is the ways in which they are seeking to avoid discomfort and how they will utilize substances to avoid discomfort in their own life, to numb their pain, to kind of uh, push aside problems and worries, and how they'll use coercion and control to avoid discomfort by creating a climate of fear so that their partner can't critique, uh, offer criticism, challenge, or um, um, push back or even offer feedback. And so Substances and tactics of abuse have very similar goals in the hands of, of a violent heart. Somebody who has a heart of violence, addiction, and abusive behaviors tend to serve similar purposes. Now, then I don't want to simplify it to the point that all addiction falls in this category because it doesn't. I'm simply saying from observation, abusive individuals will often use uh, substances, for instance, to accomplish similar goals that they will power and control, which is to remove the discomfort, to maintain control over circumstance or situation, um, and, and to avoid problems. And so I, as an abusive person, they may do that through, again, numbing the pain, avoiding the pain, but then also through power and control. Now another correlation and we'll stick with the substances for right now, and I'll try to re- remember to, to swing back around to other co-occurring addictions. But the other thing about substances that's interesting is that when you're, in, when you're counseling, caring for, or working in an abusive relationship, don't rule out the possibility of substances, in particular illegal substances, although alcohol may fall into this category as well, being used as a means of power and control. So it's not also not out of the realm of possibilities that an abuser who's relying or depending upon substances is also using those same substances to keep their victim under control. Uh, I cannot tell you the number of times I've worked with individuals who were not only uh, addicts themselves, they were the primary supplier of this substance to their partner, uh, which was a um, great motivator or um, a, allowed them to keep their partner in bondage through an addiction as they became the supplier for their partner's uh, own addiction. Uh, the, the, the correlating reality there is that the abuse, the abuse of a substance can flow from the same heart as an abuse of a person, but it can also become a tool in the hands of an abusive person to maintain power and control. I'll give you a third in that same category, and then I'll try to uh, speak a little bit more broadly. The other thing that I've seen that that I think is key to note if you're a people helper, is that I've seen abusive individuals uh, use substances to control their partner in order to commit illegal activity, such as uh, the abusive partner becoming the supplier of whatever substance it is. In my neck of the woods, it would probably be heroin now, and in the past it's been methamphetamine and what have you, being the supplier and the dealer, but then requiring their partner to be the face of the operation, meaning their partner becomes the primary dealer on the street, also now putting them at risk of arrest. And so, again, that heart of violence is so wicked and selfish and prideful. The options I've given you now are, I'm also trying to maintain a level of comfort and disassociate, if you would, uh, from, from pain and challenge and criticism by using substances. I, or perhaps I'm using the substances as a means of control over my partner by promoting an addiction in my partner and then being her primary supplier. Or third, I'm her primary supplier. And as part of my power and control, I'm requiring her to be the dealer on the street that's now at most risk of being arrested and charged uh, with, with possession and distribution where I can remain um, immune to that. I can have a level of, uh, of impunity to say, I was not dealing, right? She was the dealer. And all of that, I think, can, can be a correlation between substance abuse, for instance, and uh, domestic abuse and can show you how wicked uh, and and devious that heart of abuse can be. On a I guess a more broad level, other forms of addiction uh, like gambling or pornography use uh, those types of addictions also present themselves in abuse work, and I think it it does lend itself back to that first category of how the heart of violence you know, seeks to avoid responsibility and oftentimes pornography use, gambling, substance abuse, they can all allow, to allow individuals um, like any of us as people who try to avoid accountability, um, remove responsibility from us in a couple ways. Number one, it, it allows escape so that the abusive individual can escape into some other uh, world of control, controlling um controlling the environment by using pornography, controlling, um, trying to control a circumstance through gambling or through substance abuse is very attractive, I think, to an abusive individual. On the other hand, uh, substances, addiction, um, compulsive behavior, they can also be great scapegoats for when the heart of violence is... Um, Addressed, And so what an abusive person can do is they can say, well, it's not me, it's this outside force. And so substances caused me to be violent or my gambling addiction, you know, brought me to the point of violence or pornography uh, has really led me right to the point of sexual coercion and violence because uh, of A, B, C and D. And none of those are true. An individual is abusive because they want control over their partner. They abuse their power. It's a choice. And we'll talk a minute, just in a second, about how to differentiate between acts of violence associated with an addiction and acts of violence caused by an addiction. And so um, an addict is not going to target a victim, for instance, but they are more likely to blame whatever substance activity or habitual behavior that they are engaged in. It's much easier to say, I abuse because I am infected or affected by such and such than it is to say, I abuse because I want power and control. And this is not just a hang-up for abusers. This is something that victims struggle with, quite frankly, and understandably so. None of us who would would say be victimized would want to say my partner hurts me because they want to hurt me. It is much easier to say they hurt me because of some outside force. I don't think people helpers, I don't think we're all that thrilled with acknowledging that people abuse other people because they want to, because it gets them something because of power and control. We would much rather find an outside contributor to kind of understand the behavior, uh, but that's just not uh, the case, uh, abusers abuse because they choose to. And yes, the choice is easy in some senses because it gets them what they want. Uh, and and I think we need to address all of those. And sometimes they can be um, numb to the effects of their abuse. I think that's one area of discussion we talk about when we talk about uh, objectification of women. And certainly pornography plays a huge role in... Uh, Objectification. Of course, research is also showing that um, with genres like horror movies and uh, sexualized violence in pornography and um, pornography related to the human trafficking industry, there is a greater degree of consumable pornography out in the world today that includes sexualized violence and even dehumanization. And I think we saw that in the um, in recent years, with the scandal associated with the large internet site uh, Pornhub, who was um, um, identifying a large amount of uh, human trafficking within their website, and of course that lack of dignity for humanity is going to translate into how consumers view women, and and just even that term pornography consumers are viewing sexuality as a commodity. And in turn, they'd be viewing women as a commodity. So it adds these layers of hard-heartedness or seared conscience. And anytime you have an addiction, you're running that risk. But in the same regard, pornography kind of adds layers to that risk by reinforcing uh, the worldview. So it's an interesting... It's an interesting question. There are correlations. I think the, the risk that we run as abuse counselors and abuse advocates, individuals who advocate for victims and confront perpetrators, is we want to make sure that we're very clear that while addiction may and will be present, it is not primarily causative. It is contributive, and it may have a correlating effect, but it's not causing. They, they tend to come from the same heart of uh, pride and entitlement. And there are many, many layers to that. Uh, But in the hands of an abusive individual, um, nine times out of 10, you're dealing with a high level of entitlement uh, that, that accompanies these addictive behaviors and addictive choices. The second part of the question was also really interesting, and that was, do some men become abusive only to protect their addiction? Now, I think I've kind of answered that, but I love the way the question is worded, is that, you know, is it possible that men become abusive to protect their addiction? And, and I would say no to the abuse argument, and I'll try to unpack that. I would say yes to violence. I think that historically, uh, addicts have in many cases, not all cases, become violent to protect their addiction. Uh, I, I remember quite vividly a conversation I was having with an individual uh, who had, had been abusive and was talking to me about his love for his particular substance. And his words were something along the lines of, Chris, if you held a bag of dope in one hand over a bridge and my family in your other hand over a bridge... I would have chose the bag of dope that he was so far gone into his addiction that yes, he would sacrifice nearly anything to get it, especially when he was Jonesing. So especially when he was uh, in withdrawal and wanting to feel just the normalcy of being high again, which is how it's been described to me is that it begins as euphoric and it ends with just kind of maintaining normalcy and uh, he would have sacrificed his family. Now, was that abusive? Sure. It sure was. And there was a lot more going on with this individual than just his addiction. But to the question, can someone be solely abusive uh, because of the, the drug or how it's worded with, do some men become abusive to protect their addiction? I would say, in the, generally speaking, no. I think abuse really is about power and control. Do people become forceful? and violent. I think that is absolutely true. And, and I think to, to the individual I cited earlier, I think if I had held anyone, um, or anything in my other hand over that bridge, he still would have, uh, chose the bag of dope as he, as he put it, because that particular desire to, to control, to get back to, uh, that sense of normalcy was overwhelming him. And I think that's true if you interact with individuals who maybe were uh, addicted to methamphetamine, which was a huge problem years ago. There's still some pockets of that. Uh, It's not uncommon to experience violence at the hands of somebody um, who has been using meth, for instance. And so, yes, I think individuals can become violent to protect their addiction. Now, does that translate over to things like gambling, pornography. Sure, I think there might be, if I could extrapolate a little bit, I think there might be a protectionism there. So, for instance, I don't want my reputation to be ruined. I don't want to be found out. And so those type of protectionisms can go hand in hand. Now, my question would be, have they been abusive in the past? Is it part of that correlating issue of, my heart of entitlement is feeding my addiction and my abuse, those would definitely be ropes to pull. I would be leery from an advocacy perspective to say, yes, addiction causes abuse. I think it can contribute to abuse. And so in that regards, sure, an individual could use tactics of power and control to protect the status quo, and that's very common among abuse. And part of that would be protecting their addiction. Now, at the same time, I think that the the scales balancing on the other side, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I think when push comes to shove and an individual is confronted for their abuse, and they have both abusive tactics of power and control and a hearty addiction that they're holding on to, my experience would be that they would, they would first acknowledge the addiction in order to keep from being held accountable for the abuse. So like when push comes to shove, my experience has been, yes, help me with my addiction. That's my problem. Rather than, um, yes, address my heart. Because really, that's what we're talking about. If an individual is using power and control, it's it's a deep-seated reality within their heart. And many men that we confront don't want to do that heart work because heart work is really hard work and they would much rather find a, um, a quick or should I say more tangible solution, which is help me with my addiction. So I, I think the question is onto something I, I would, I just would guard against the idea of addiction causing abuse, but I would say that they correlate quite frequently and it is very possible that a person would become increasingly abusive in order to protect everything that they have, including their addiction. But when push comes to shove, when there has to be a choice, my experience is that abusive individuals tend to abandon their addiction or present it as a primary problem while continuing to hide or deny their abuse. So great questions today and a lot to think about. Abuse and addictions will co-occur quite frequently. Uh, from a professional, you know, helper standpoint, I would recommend parallel tracks of care. I think it's a lot to ask uh, of a therapist or a counselor or even a care team uh, confronting an abusive individual to try to tackle each thread that is presenting itself. I think the abuse work is the primary work. We have to provide for people's safety and their sanity. And in doing so, we will need to address addiction and past trauma. But my recommendation is that that happen either co occurrently or sequentially. I'm not a big fan of the abuse confrontation being a a one-stop shop. I think there are some qualified people out there who do that, who walk that line. I just think they're very few and far between. So if there's an active addiction involved, I think we can do two things. We can look at residential treatment that provides for immediate safety for the family by removing the abusive individual from the home to seek treatment as part of a care plan that says we are going to work on the abuse. I think there are opportunities to do abuse work and confrontation like Men of Peace or batter intervention programs. That coincide with trauma-informed counseling for things like past trauma. So I think there are ways to go. I, I tend to shy away from trying to address everything along with the abuse, and are much more inclined to address the abuse, as this big rock and the addictions, as this big rock and the trauma, as this third big rock, uh, concurrently, you know, like at the same time or um, sequentially, starting with the abuse and violence, uh, if the person is prepared to do that. Uh, The other option being starting with um, the addiction, if they are so far gone that that we can't have those conversations. So, and, and really it can be a pick your poison too, depending upon the recommendations of the people involved. But that's tends to be the recommendations that I make is how can we work these problems from different angles. And the primary reason being we want to provide for safety and sanity And in doing that, we really need to address the abuse head on and effectively. And then second, we want to make sure we're very clear that the substance or habitual behavior or the past trauma in some cases is not causing the abuse, but merely contributing or co-occurring to the abuse. And abuse is really a matter of the heart and the will. Well, I hope that was helpful today. I appreciate the question so much because there is a lot of co-occurring realities to abuse and addiction. So thank you again for listening. Be sure to check out everything over at chrismoles.org. Consider PeaceWorks University and the possibility, if you're a people helper, of attending PeaceWorks Live. Thank you once again. Until next time, friends, God bless.